That's me, nigga. You are now rocking with the Super Cali Fragilistic Expiali Dope Ship, your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast, featuring on the verge artists, established influencers, and people from all walks of life doing dope shit. With your host, Emiliano Styles. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Super Cali Fragilistic Expiali Dope Shit. And right now I'm here with my main man. King Ronda Dine. What up, man? King Ronda Dine. Now, I just want to give y'all a little excerpt of what he's about. Just a little tip of the iceberg, which is his bio. So I'm just going to go through it, and then we're going to jump right into the interview so y'all know who y'all listening to. So Rondell Holder is a marketing executive who keeps on the pulse of urban culture working at notable media companies for 10 years, such as Essence, Complex, Five. Business and Pleasure have provided Rondell the opportunity to travel frequently, domestically and internationally, and he often dines out and he opts for the local approach to travel versus being a traditional tourist, making many friends along the way. In 2012, Rondell started sharing his travel and foodie experiences on his blog, Soul Society 101, creating a voice for the underserved young black professional and creative. Since then, Soul Society 101 has blossomed into a top travel multi-platform experience that includes a website, events, merchandise, group travel, and most recently, Soul Society 101, the podcast. So make sure I check that out too, by the way. Featured in such publications as New York Times, New York Daily News, Black Enterprise, BET, and more and more and more. Rondell continues to push the culture, engaging daily with over 80,000 travel and food enthusiasts in Soul Society's one-on-one social media reach. And he's striving to create more opportunities for young black professionals and creatives to to positively impact the world as global citizens. So what I do on this podcast, for those listening to this for the first time, is I jump right into the interview with a icebreaker, and it is rapid fire. So I'm going to ask you two things, and just uh, tell me which one you prefer. Don't give me any explanation at all. All right, cool. All right, you ready? Yeah, man. Martin or Malcolm? Malcolm. Rihanna or Beyonce? Rihanna, that's easy. (laughs) Creation or evolution? Creation. Android or Apple? Apple. Brutal honesty or white lies? Brutal honesty. The Knicks or the Nets? <laughs> Nets. <laughs> <laughs> in the light or in the dark? In the light. <laughs> <laughs> Career or family? Family. Marriage or long-term commitment? Marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Pac or Biggie? Biggie all day, man. J. Cole or Kendrick? Kendrick. Nike or Adidas? Nike or Adidas? Nike. Foxy Brown or Lil' Kim? Foxy. Tyler Perry or Lee Daniels? Can I say neither? Nah, Lee Daniels. (laughs) (laughs) Sugar on grits or salt on grits? I don't even eat grits. I can't even answer that one. (laughs) We'll get into that in a little bit. (laughs) All right. HBO or Showtime? HBO. The Wire or Breaking Bad? The Wire. Autumn or Summer? Summer. That is the rapid fire 
section. So you made it. You made it that was that was fun. That was hard though, man. <laughs> I know. You hit me with you hit me with some some hard drinks. Rondell and I met for the first time. I think it was around Toya's trunk show. Yeah. And I shot her trunk show. I was a videographer, and Rondell had a label at the time, right? Mm-hmm. So he had a record label at the time, and he had this really dope showcase that was at the same location as the trunk show. And Latoya uh, referred me, and then that's when we met. Yeah, man. That's when we met. Then Past I, life. Yeah, I know. It <laughs> seemed so long ago, and then I went on the direct... Uh, just for the night, the music video, the music video, music yeah. video, yeah. So um, that's that's what happened, man. And then like over the years, we just got cooler and cooler. You know, what I'm saying the blessing to be able to meet you and know you, my yeah, brother. Yeah, man, you too. Man. I even got to go to his uh, wedding, which was awesome. It was a dope Brooklyn wedding. Ah, oh, it was just, it was so fun. And Thank you, man. Rondell was so turned and it was so beautiful. <laughs> the most turned I've ever been in my whole life. Is that right? Which I've been very turned many times, so that says a lot. Man, you was turned up. Yeah, man. Collard green. <laughs> yeah, man. Beautiful wife, beautiful uh, couple. So it was really dope. And my goal for this show is I want people to feel like after they listen to this podcast that they caught up with an old friend. I've been blessed to know a lot of really cool people such as yourself. And I feel like we may correspond on text messages or email or whatever. And we have really good conversations and say some really profound things or motivate each other or inspire each other. And I just want to share that with other people who I feel they could benefit from it. All types of careers, it doesn't really matter. So that's what I'm working on here. Dope. First question is, what's the dopest thing that you've done thus far? I think the dopest thing that I've done to this point is pet a lion in South Africa. That's the dopest thing I've ever done in my life. And was the lion alive? The lion? (laughs) It was alive. It wasn't a dead lion because that would be creepy. (laughs) It was alive. Um, And not drugged up, which is what a lot of times when people travel and you see people petting tigers and stuff, those tigers are like drugged up or for all kinds of stuff. Maybe giving Molly to this? Yeah. It's wild and disrespectful. And if you Google it, I mean, if you search it, you'll see like a lot of videos of the mistreatment of animals but the spot that I went to was a rescue joint so Mm. that was cool but yeah to be that close to a lion and pet it like it's a cat like well it's a cat but like it's a domestic cat was the craziest experience like you leave that joint like yo I just like I just pet a lion in South Africa like definitely hands down the dopest thing I've ever done yeah man because when you say that I, I think like lions are basically just big cats yeah, but they they big though. <laughs> <laughs> they cats, but they big like the like if the lion stood up, would it be like your height? Yeah, man. And his palm, because you can you know touch his palm, it's almost the size of my hand. But that joint is thick with all that padding. I'm like, yo, he just gotta smack <laughs> me one time. It'll be a wrap for me. You know what I mean? But it was really cool, man. Do you have a uh, a person that you look up to who does? dope shit a mentor of a sort yeah let me say something about mentors I've worked for a lot of people that I respect and every time you leave a job you get hit with the you know feel free to reach out if you ever need anything and I'm like cool but I'm not the type of person to reach out it's just not how I am like family friends career um and and that's usually to my detriment but this one time most recently I was in a situation where I'm like yo I need the advice of someone 
who's been here before and I knew exactly who it was. Mm-hmm. And it's someone that I used to work for, and I reached out to them. I thought it was heartfelt as shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, yo, if I read this, I'd be like, yo, let me reach back out to this young black man who's trying to make it. Mm-hmm. Crickets. No response. I'm like, cool. So anyway, to answer your question, I don't have a mentor. I uh, wish I did have one because I think they provide, you know, a lot of the guidance that if you're trying something new, trying something different, or trying to do something that's just not traditional, it's, it's really helpful. Um, but who I look up to, I would say anyone who takes a risk, changes their path when they feel like it's time to change their path, and people who can start from nothing and build something. I think that's the dopest thing. So that's a lot of people, a lot of famous people and a lot a lot of not so famous people. Yeah. So the, you know, a random store owner, I get inspired when I hear a story about like this product or brand that you think has been around forever or you might think has like crazy backing and you find out they started out the trunk of their car or something like that. Like those are the stories that, that um and the people that I look up to. Yeah, it sounds like you admire resilience and that like that work ethic of yeah. in general. That's, that's what's up. Especially in this business, it's like a lot of people view everything as overnight success. But when you really sit down and hear some of the stories of people, it's like you see the shiny part, but people have been grinding forever yeah. and failed several times before they make it. So I love hearing those stories and we don't hear them enough. People's failures and trials to get to where they are. I'm glad I'm going to be doing this, this interview, man. <laughs> because it's like, I'm, I'm just excited to see your brand and where it's going. And and I feel like recently I was listening to, I can't remember the, uh, I'm not really sure how to pronounce the brother's name, but I think it's Marshall Ali. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Moonlight. And they, and I listened to this podcast and they dropped a, a interview from like, I think a year ago, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. when he was with his wife. But since he's Oscar nominated now and getting all these laurels, people went back and they released in the archives. Uh, uh, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. So it was like, and so that's part of the reason why I want to do this. So like, when you're at your next level, people are gonna be able to listen to this and be like, mm-hmm. oh wow, Rondell, he planned this. He, did, you know, what I'm saying right. so they're gonna get a greater insight of this moment in time right now. You know what I'm saying? Dope. So I'm going to um, keep it moving along. I want to just talk a little bit about your background. Um, I think this part is important because I feel like not a lot of people will ever, I mean, not a lot. I wouldn't say a lot, but it's like people won't have a one-on-one with you. Right. right so, right. but we're having it now. So I think it's like cool and insightful to know about your, uh, so where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Siblings, parents, upbringing? Yeah, man. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, Brooklyn native. Um, Flatbush specifically for anyone who's from Brooklyn. Big up, big up. <laughs> <laughs> and and Emil's doing that for anyone who hasn't been to Brooklyn. Like, even if you're not West Indian in Brooklyn, you are an honorary West Indian because that's just, that's just ingrained. <laughs> <laughs> guys are ridiculous man <laughs> that's just ingrained in brooklyn culture though like yeah and all my friends who i grew up with that were american were honorary west indians they knew all this the lyrics to reggae songs and ate west indian food and all that stuff mm. um but anyway needless to say i grew up in a west indian family in brooklyn and flatbush mm. um my mother's from grenada my father's from jamaica um two of two of my favorite countries by default i guess but i just really love them just off, the, just off the strength of, of the culture and the vibe when I go to those two places. Um, so yeah, grew up with my mom and pops in Brooklyn, three younger siblings, I'm the oldest of four, and my next, my next, I guess, in line is nine years younger than me, so kind of raised them too. And you being the oldest, does he feel like that cultivated your leadership skills? It might 
have, I would say I was the only child for nine years. So I think that definitely helped with creativity because you'd be alone. You think of all kinds of wild <laughs> shit, man. Playing with invisible stuff. Yeah. I mean, I never had, I never had, what do you call it? Like, um, what do you call the fake friend that people used to have? Back imaginary then? friend. Yeah. I never had an imaginary <laughs> friend. Um, okay. But I did like, I was always writing some story or coming up with some show that I wanted to show my family members later on in the day when they got home from work or something like that. Okay. So being the only child, I think, definitely helps with your creativity. And then when my other siblings came along, I think it definitely like gave me responsibility early on. Mm. Um, so yeah, that might have that might have helped with leadership skills. I think now that I think about it. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, now school, how did you like? What, hold on, what school did you go to? Was PS. Oh, how, how far back you want to go? The middle school, bro. Okay. Elementary school. Elementary, okay. I went to PS 119, which is a public elementary school in, in uh, I guess that's Flatbush, Flatbush, Brooklyn. Junior high school went to Shellbank Junior High School, which is in the Sheepset Bay area. Oh, in Sheepset Bay? Yeah, it was a little it was a little risky sending me there. Like it wasn't a bad school. It was one of the better schools in Brooklyn, but just the neighborhood is like right across in the projects. And the high school across the street was one of the worst high schools, so it was um it was some interesting times. I, back I would then. have not have thought that you went to Sheepshead Bay, but that's I yeah it. yeah. It was some interesting times, and then I went to Sheepshead High School for my first year of high school. I was in there like SIG program, which is a uh, gifted or whatever. But then I was like, yeah, I want to be out of this school because people in this school really don't give a shit. And even though you're in a in a little bubble in a gifted program, like. Everyone else saying about shit in the school, mm-hmm. and I just watch, watch your mouth. We don't curse on this show. Oh, and supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> dope shit. We don't curse. Cool. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, then I transferred to Murray Bertram High School in Lower Manhattan. Oh, okay. yeah, and I went there for my last three years of high school, and that was an amazing experience. And I was glad I went to high school in Manhattan because mm. it was a whole different world. Like. You grow up in Brooklyn. Brooklyn is basically like what you know. Mm. And then going to high school in Manhattan, I had access to a lot of things that I wouldn't have had, like internships at like top companies yeah. in high school. A lot of things that people wait for. Um, you know, you're in college and you, you try to get into a good internship. I had experience at like JP Morgan Bank at age 16. So when I was in college, just about every job I applied for, they were like, oh, you worked at JP Morgan Bank in Manhattan? Yeah, we'll hire you. Off the strength. So I, I definitely like I think that was my first like really good decision mm. to leave that situation that wasn't right. And then uh that's high school and then college went to Temple University in Philly. Big up T U M F. Yeah you know I mean. Alright, calm down. <laughs> nah, but I, I I used to teach in East New York high school. Mm-hmm. And when you say that going to school in Lower Manhattan is very important because I remember I took some kids on a field trip. I think we were going to Columbia University. Mm-hmm. And we were on the, the train and we we're crossing the East River. And some of the students, this is high school. Yeah. Some of the students were looking out the window and they said Ooh, is that the ocean? Oh, I was like, hold up. I was like, you never left Brooklyn before? Yeah. They was like, no. I was like, oh, I was like, now I'm going to take y'all everywhere. Yeah. It's it's, it's kind of like, and I was just telling my friend this earlier, like growing up in New York is great in a lot of ways, but if you're not in the right situation where you're mobile enough, it can be stifling because it's a lot of times it's all people know. And it can even be borough specific. Like you said, some people 
from Brooklyn have never left Brooklyn. That's deep. Yeah, man. So people think like New York is glitz and glamour, which it can be. Right. If you have it like that. If you don't have it like that, it can be one of the hardest places to grow up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what's what's some uh do you have any like slang? Like some native Brooklyn slang that from way back, or way back, or that you think people won't even know, or if you say it, people are like, oh, we did used to say that. You I don't know. Well, like see, the thing about slang is, I never really know what is like native to Brooklyn and what everyone said um, until I have a conversation. So we would say stuff like "you all that in a bag of chips." I don't know if that was nationwide or a Brooklyn thing. Right. All in my Kool Aid. Don't know the flavor. Uh, Yo, that jacket is butters. Like I don't know if that was like New butters York. Butters is definitely New York. Okay. <laughs> Definitely New York. That's definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't know what what was and what isn't, but yeah, butters was like, if I think back, that was like the biggest word. Like everything was butters back in the day. Like yo, okay. that shirt is butters. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's because New York is a trend-setting place. Mm. So a lot of the things that derive in New York, right. they spread. So you're like, dang, did that start here or not? But it's like a lot of it. Definitely started. Right, right. Definitely, definitely. So how was Temple? What, what can you tell me about going? I mean, you was in New York, so why did you decide to choose Temple? Um, well, I knew I wanted to get out of New York City for college for that same reason. Like, I didn't want... Most of my family went to local schools um, in New York City. Mm-hmm. And so, for some of them, it was great. For me, I saw I had two older cousins that went upstate to Buffalo for college and the experience that they were having. I'm like, yo, I want to have an experience like that, like living in the dorms, um, just being exposed to different things and, and different cultures. And when you go away to school, you get a little bit more of that. So I applied to like three schools and I applied. They were all in New York State. Um, Sunnies and, and Coonies. Yeah. Yeah. All Sunnies. Uh, a few in Long Island, a few upstate, and then really late in the game, I applied to Temple. And this is what year is this? This is like 2001 into 2002. I'm applying. So this is the time when Philly's like in a cool place. Like you got the music Soul Child's happening, oh, Jill Scott and oh, Erica yeah. and all that. Even though Erica's not from Philly, she was a part of that so neo soul scene. Yeah. 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 So I was like, oh, let me see what Philly's about. So I took a trip, visited, and I was like, yo, Philly's kind of dope, and yeah. it's close to home. But it was like a whole different world. Like it's two hours away from New York, but you go there and it's totally different from New York. I feel like Philly is New York's little brother. You, I don't think they're related, son. Like I don't, what? I don't think they're related at all, man. Oh, man. Like I went there and the slang was different, the accent was different, true, the clothes true. was different, the food was different, that's true, that's the true. music was different, like everything was different. I really dig Philly, but I feel like it doesn't get enough pub because of its close. Just proximity to mm. New York. I could if Philly was in the Midwest, it would be like it would a lot more people. I feel a lot more people would talk about it and go and want to go. It has it has adult culture, Philly, but there's a lot of reasons why I don't think it gets the love that it deserves. Like it's it's harsh. Like it's a harsh city it's to live good. in. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 a hard city to live in. Like it's not. They say it's the city of brotherly love, but I don't. I don't know. I didn't really feel love in Philly. Like I don't that. feel the love. Dude. <laughs> and I a lot of people, a lot of people were like, "Yo, you coming from Brooklyn? Like you sh- like this is this should be nothing." I'm like, "Nah, Brooklyn is is different. Like the hood in Philly was hood. Like I have mm-hmm. stories that I'm like, yo, 
I ain't never seen nothing like that in my whole life growing up in New York. Yeah. Well, give me an example. Oh, uh, how deep? How deep do you go in this podcast? Because I don't know. We, we could go ahead, man. All right, edit me out. Edit me out. This doesn't fit. Okay. The direction that you want to go with this podcast, man. Let's go. But I just remember one example being freshman year. I want to say it was my first semester. And anyone familiar with Philly, you know, Temple's on Broad Street, which is the main street in Philly. And Broad Street goes from like really, really, really nice to really hood after you cross a certain block. So in North Philly, and it's after after classes, and I'm like, yo, I just need some Chinese food. I don't want the calf food today. So I go to a Chinese store, and there's this homeless woman in the front. And she's like, yo, I suck your dick for some Chinese food. And I was like... No, she didn't. Yo, so this is me like, what? She's like, yo, I suck your dick for Chinese food. And then she said, I don't have my front teeth, so it'll be even better. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Welcome to Philly. Welcome to Philly. And I was like, yo, my whole life in Brooklyn, never had an experience like that. And I didn't grow up in like the nicest part of Brooklyn, so it ain't that. Yeah. It was just... The 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 I don't I don't know how to describe it. It's just like the bad side of Philly is really dark. Yeah. It's really, really dark. Yeah, I like y'all can't see this right now, but I really just had a dark cloud just come over my head at this moment. <laughs> this this <laughs> when you told it that, that wow, that's wow, yeah, that's, that's like I had to I I hit all my family like, yo, I don't know this dream is wild. <laughs> like, yeah. It was it was hard. Like my first <laughs> Freshman year, I think I was back to New York three out of four weekends a month. Because I was like, back every weekend. I don't know about this place. Mm-hmm. I don't know about this place. And they had an OD, like, they had a Chinese bus, which they still have. But back in the day, it was $5 from mm-hmm. Philly to New York. So I was like, oh, this is nothing. I'm back every weekend. Like, <laughs> yeah, because I've been to Philly a few times. Let's keep it moving. Yeah, in Philly. And, mm-hmm. I, and just to be clear, Philly's not all bad. Like, Philly has... Now, nah, that was just one of the yeah lower moments. It's just like, Whoa. similar to New York where it's like extremely nice things and extremely like messed up things. Philly is even more extreme. I'd put it that way. Mm. Temple University, you graduate. What was your first gig after you graduated? I had an internship. Okay. When I was in school, my major was marketing. I thought I was going to be like Diddy or somebody, like record label guy. But the time that I was in college, Napster and LimeWire were out. So it was kind of the downfall of the music industry while I was in school. So as I'm taking these classes, I'm like, yo, what the hell am I going to do when I'm done? Because like my dream is dying while while I'm getting prepared for it. After college, well, during college, I had internships, but none of them were in the record um record industry they were all like finance because that was my experience from going to high school in lower manhattan i had a lot of the finance stuff so that was just the thing the things that worked out which i'm not mad at it gave me like good bread when i came back for the summer all that stuff but i knew i was like yo i want to get into like entertainment so after college i took an unpaid internship at vp records in queens which is a reggae label um yeah yeah, yeah, out of jamaica that was like my first six months and everybody thought I was crazy. My family was like, what are you doing? Like, Temple wasn't cheap. You got a degree. Why are you interning for free? And I was like, yo, you have to intern at a record label. Like, I did my research. I know what everyone did. I, I saw Diddy's Hustle, you know, leaving Howard and interning at Uptown. And you got to do it. So I put in the work. And uh, from there, 
um, I think I had like, I was also working at a bank part time at the same time. And then what else was I doing? I had a third, oh, catering. I was like, like passing trays around at the same time. Oh, so, okay, okay. You know, the true West Indian three jobs situation. <laughs> <laughs> One job. <laughs> so okay. I was, I was definitely that guy. And then eventually my first full time job in my field was marketing assistant at allhiphop.com. Okay, so your position now at SS Magazine, what's your position there? Um, Senior Manager of Integrated Marketing. Define what that means. It's kind of hard and none of my family understands it, but I'm going to try to break it down in a way that makes the most sense. Okay. So brands brands want to reach African-American women through Essence. They send us an RFP, which is basically a request for proposal. It says... These are our objectives. This is our budget. This is who we're trying to reach. This is our like programming for the year. Okay. So you, they basically give you like an umbrella and then you create something that resonates with the audience of who you represent, which for me is Essence, and kind of meets them in between with where they are with their programming. So back in the day, my job was really straightforward. It was like, okay, you have a budget. This is how many pages you could get in a magazine. But as media progressed, it's less about pages in the magazine, more about online. And then even further, it's not even just banners online anymore. It's creating original content. So my job now was more about creating content with brands, for brands that resonate with the audience of the company that I'm working for, which right now is Essence. Got it. Got it. So that content is in the form of video, um, magazine spreads, written content online. So it's definitely more about custom content creation though. Custom concentration. So you're doing that and you're also doing Soul Society one-on-one. Yeah, man. My two passions in life are music and travel. And like I said before, I was trying to break into the music industry. It's failing, still failing to this day. People are like grasping at straws, trying to figure out how to make money still in music. Yeah. Um, but I found a way around it, which is working in media, because I'm close to all the artists. And you know, the events we do, the custom content that I do, a lot of times I partner with artists to create the content. So it might be like a musician that's talking about, you know, whatever their experience was that relates to the program that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I'm around that creative energy. And my other passion is travel, which is why I travel, which is why I started Soul Society 101. Um, to fulfill that part of, you know, my passion. Before you started Soul Society, was there a uh, tipping point or like a deciding factor that that you that it just clicked? Can you tell us about that moment? Why to start it? started? Y- yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Like I I traveled a lot for work and I traveled a lot for personal reasons, just because I I just loved travel and people kept hitting me up like, yo, I'm going here, what should I do? Or I'm going to this city, what did you do when you went there? And I was like, okay, it's cool that everyone's coming to me for this, but what does that mean? Cause like, it gets annoying after some time. Like if, if you're my homie homie or your family, like, okay, cool, no problem. But it will be like random people that just saw on Facebook that I was in this country or state or whatever. And they would hit me up out the blue, like not good morning or nothing. Like, yo, I'm going here, what's up? So I was like, okay, I'm gonna create a platform for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can just direct them to that. And then the, the the backside of it was, I was always searching. Every time I went somewhere new, I would be on Google, what do black people do in X place? And couldn't find nothing. There was like one janky site that existed back in the day and it, it wasn't a good resource at all. So I was like, yo, 
this doesn't exist. I'm looking for it. Clearly, other people are looking for it, too, because they keep asking me. Right. I'm going to put it out there and see what happens. So I started with the Instagram page, and I was just posting photos of when I went to different places and then started the blog. Um, and then I wanted it to grow beyond me because I'm like, I, I can't go everywhere, and I want to get as much information as possible out there. So I just started reposting other people when they would go to a dope restaurant or went somewhere and saw something crazy that I didn't even know existed. And then um, a lot of work and a lot of years later, it really developed into this own thing where people are like honored to be featured on the platform, which I think is dope. But it really started out because I wanted the information and I knew other people that wanted it too. I think the most amazing thing about social media is it makes the world a lot smaller. I know we hear it all the time, but it really does because I've seen so much things on social media that I didn't know existed and it, right. and it just makes my wonder let's go crazy like the the, the swimming pigs swimming yeah, pigs yeah in Bahamas yeah 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 and they got the uh, the they, this, the Spanish festival where they throw the tomato yeah so it's like oh my goodness all these cool like yeah. traditions and things around the world and the thing is when we learn about in school you don't you learn about history which one isn't our history, except for the month of February, where we all learn about the same five black people. Right. So for for a lot of us, it's not as interesting when you learn about it in school because they ain't talking about us. And you flip through the pages in your book and you don't see us. So for me, it was like, yo, I'm obsessed with culture. I want to see us and what we do. But then at the same time, like you said, I'm seeing things. I'm like, yo, I didn't even know this existed. I didn't even know this was a country. I didn't even know, like, or if I knew the country, I didn't know it was that beautiful because you you get what the media, mainstream media tells you is happening in that country, it, whether it's like dangerous or impoverished or whatever. But then when you hear, when you see everyday people doing it and they're showing you their perspective, you're like, yo, this is actually the dopest place in the world and I'm about to book a trip. And just seeing black people in places like Iceland, like, dog, I would have never gone to Iceland if it wasn't for Soul Society 101. Like ever until I saw like yo mad, mad black people's in Iceland like maybe it's cool to go there and then seeing all the different things that they were doing like interacting with locals and Blue Lagoon ice picking like hiking and going out in the ponies and the glaciers and the waterfalls and all that stuff and I'm like yo Iceland is dope and then I make my way over there so it's like I'm also being inspired by the stuff that I'm I'm sharing. Did you see the Northern Lights there? I, I saw it from the plane, which was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pilot was basically like, all right, we're like about to land. But if you look out the left side of the plane, you'll see the Northern Lights. That's amazing. Well, what, what's one of the most uh, fulfilling aspects of running a social society one on one? When people when people hit me up or comment and just say and just say thank you for starting it or thank you for doing what I'm doing, like that's that's very satisfying because the whole point of it was to build a community where people could be inspired and guided and all that stuff. So some some days when I'm like sharing stuff and, and creating stuff to put out there, some days you're like, yo, why am I doing this again? Like, in, in, and that's any career. Mm-hmm. I think in any creative career where you have to put stuff out, you don't know if anyone cares. And at some point you gotta check yourself like, one, why did you start it to begin with? You have to really remind yourself. Cause there's days where it's like you don't you don't feel it anymore you know what i'm saying so you have to remind yourself why you started and then when you see comments and people hit you up or someone says like yo i just booked my ticket because of this or yo i'm about to go or yo thank you this is on my radar and it wasn't before like that's that's very fulfilling that's dope man because you're seeing because of this platform you created you're having a direct influence 
on people making decisions and giving them choices. There's no greater, more tangible thing than someone saying, I am here because of this. Yo, I, I never like, I never thought about it like that. Yeah. That makes me feel important. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's really dumb. Nah, I mean. It's like if you see a commercial and you're like, I saw the commercial and I came to get this. Yeah. That's what Soul Society is doing. It's like, I saw this on Soul Society. Now I'm going there to experience that specifically because I saw that photo. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think about it like that, but yeah, that's basically it. Mm-hmm. And it's in and um, in business nowadays in general, like in every sector, it's about people. How can I say? It's about people customizing and and cherry picking and having a voice in what they want to see. Mm-hmm. So, like, user content is the biggest thing right now for every business, which is why you know, like Apple Music and Spotify, giving people the opportunity to put together their own playlists and cherry pick songs and create exactly what they want out of a body of music versus before it was like, this is the body of music, play it. And if you really want to go back, it was like, play it in this order because you fast forward and you don't know where you're going to stop. So it, it went from, in music, it went from uh, not being able to skip songs to being able to skip songs, but only in one direction to being able to, pick songs from an album to now it's like, yo, this is my whole playlist of all my favorite songs from different people. Yeah. It's the same thing with travel. It was back in the day, it was like you hear of maybe people going the same five places to, okay, you might hear people going more places to now, um, if you do, if you did your research and you went to a travel agent, let's say, they would tell you about more exact places and different options, but none of our faces were on it, black people. To the point of now, it's like there's several platforms out there that if you want to be inspired specifically about by black people going different places, we have a voice and we're putting the content out there. And it's it's everyday people versus someone from the top telling you where you should be going or what you should be doing. So I think in, in everything, it's, it's dope that society is just going in the direction of the people have the power. What is um what, what are some like pet peeves? Or, or just in general, as you are a professional in these fields, what are some pet peeves that you have come across or that you have dealing with whatever you are dealing with? Well, I could tell you for both sides. For what my nine to five is, a lot of people don't respect working in entertainment and media. And a lot of people think that it's all glitz and glam, which the entertain- entertainment business was set up for people to think it's easy. So I get but people in other industries think like you really don't work. Like I have a friend who who got a degree in psychology who literally thinks I drink all day and go to parties. Like dead ass, I swear to you, I swear to you. And I'm and and I'm like, yo, do you know I work on average sixty hours a week just on my day job alone? Like, do you understand the work that I put in? Like coming up with ideas and brain like brain dumping ideas every single day. That is exhausting, man. It's yeah. exhausting. Mental energy. Yo, and it's, it's so, I don't think it's respected enough, but at the same time, I'm happy, so I can't really, I can't give too much of a shit what other people think right. about it. On the side of Soul Society and creating a platform like that, that started on social media, um, a pet peeve is just people just riding the wave of what's hot. Like, I think that's so corny. I think that's so corny. Yeah. Like, I started that drink because it did not exist, or at least I couldn't find it. That's why I started it. So to see people who like, oh, black travel became a thing, quote unquote, a thing a few years ago, 
it's now a million pages doing it. And I'm like, yo, y'all are mad whack for that. Like your love clearly isn't there for it. You're just doing it because you think you might get a free trip or whatever the hype, I got X amount of followers or likes. But it's like, start something that one, means something to you, and two, um, you actually have a passion for it. Not just because it's gonna, you think it's gonna like be a saving grace in some way. Yeah. So I think that that's why. Riding waves for sure. Yeah, it's like, if like five years ago, the natural hair movement for black women, it was like, okay, everybody had a perm, then a few people had natural hair, and it was like, oh, I don't know if I'm into that. Then it's like, yo, if you don't have natural hair, you're whack. Then there's like Instagram pages where girls are just blowing up because they have a certain hair texture. And then it's like 50 million natural hair pages on Instagram right now. Like literally 50 million yeah. of them joints. Yeah. And it's like, yo, y'all realize five, five different people could do this and y'all could be good. Like you don't need that many, to be honest. Like think of something else that you could do to like shift the culture if that's what you even care about. Yeah. Because... When I started Crowns of Style, I felt like there was a lot of user content. Mm. And I was like, I'm gonna make a, something to brand that will make some something original. Cause I would see a lot of these natural hair uh, bloggers and women, but I, I, I would like, it would be like uh, hair tutorials mm-hmm. and they're posing in cool outfits and, and how to do the hair. But it was like, well, what? Is this person's story? Where right. What is from? it about the girl? Right. You're telling. So that's the thing. Mm-hmm. You're telling a story. Yeah. These people are literally just posting for the sake of posting because they know that this is a hot thing right now. So it's easier to get followers because they're riding the wave. Yeah. And you know, there's some people that I filmed for Crowns of Style that I didn't release because mm. it was just like the substance wasn't there. It wasn't there. <laughs> it was just like, oh my goodness. And I was kind of. Uh, it was really dope though because I've met a lot of phenomenal, like it's more more than more than not. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Most of them were very phenomenal women, who I still keep in touch to to this day. Right. They invite me to stuff, and it's we we build and create. So, but I definitely feel when they're riding the wave thing. It's, yeah, it's uh, corny, man. Yeah, it's like, unless and and again, if you have a new angle on it, if you have a different take, like I didn't obviously didn't create travel and showcasing people traveling. I didn't invent that. Mm -hmm. But I was the first that I know personally to showcase black people doing it specifically because no one was showing us and no one was sharing what we do and our perspective on it. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know what I'm saying? Like FUBU, for another example, like they didn't invent clothes, but they invented clothes for us because cats like Tommy was like, my clothes ain't for you black people so at least find a a new angle on something people at least that's a major pet peeve okay all right was there ever a time where you where you like had a string of failures at at something or got kind of like disheartened all the time yesterday (laughs) (laughs) all the time man all the time so what keep what keeps you motivated and encouraged to create i think if you're the type of person who likes to create stuff you can't help it i think like like you mentioned before, I had a record label, was managing artists and, and literally handling all sides of the business from creative to PR to putting on events to being in the studio with them, writing songs for all that, doing background vocals for all that. 
Like literally all parts of it. You was doing vocals, fam. I, I did. I did the like the background. You know, the bass comes in <laughs> to make the harmony like thicker. Oh, okay. Yeah, man. I did that joint. Okay, you singing bottom. <laughs> but yeah, like that joint, I put my all into and a lot of money into, and it didn't pan out. Found out Rondell's in that mug, like. I got <laughs> you, baby. Yeah. Little something, you know what I'm saying? I had a little barrier on it, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but yeah, like that's just one example of a failure. But I learned so much from that joint. Like I can't even be mad. Like when I tell people what I put into it, they're like, "Yo, you don't be mad." Like when you see these artists that used to manage, you don't be mad. When you think about the money you spent, you don't be mad. Like I, I was at one point, but I literally learned so much from failing, and that, and that, and that's in a creative space of starting something new. But even in trying to build a career in entertainment media, like. There's so many jobs that I thought I was perfect for that just never panned out. So many companies that I thought I had like this, I had them on a high pedestal and I was like, yo, one day I'm gonna get there, one day I'm gonna get there. And got to that company, I was like, yo, this joint is basura. Like, get me out of here right now. It happens and you grow and you learn, man. But if, if you're the type of person who is just passionate about making it or just you are a creator of things just that's the way you are wired you're going to do it regardless that's a good point man because i feel like when people see my work and i get feedback they're like oh man you're doing that i'm like don't you know that that idea that i put out i probably had 10 other ones that didn't work out <laughs> you know what i'm saying always so it's like always I, I so when people i i don't really get caught up in i mean i'm always creating i always have ideas and just like find enough time and resources to get them out but I think that's what a lot of people don't understand about creatives is that there's so much stuff that doesn't work. Yeah, man. Like, I, and then after I was managing artists, I had I knew I wanted to start a blog. This is early blogging times, so I started this blog called <laughs> I don't want to say the name. It's actually pretty embarrassing now when I think about the name. Is it, it still up? Nah. Oh, nah, what's the name? Nah, you can nah, say the nah. name if it ain't up no more. <laughs> <laughs> It was called Boom, Bringing On Our Movement. That was the name of the <laughs> You know, so this is this is this is young Ron, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to I'm trying to put something out there in the world, see what happens, you know what I mean? Um and that was all about it was actually like basically what Blavity is now. Uh, For you guys who are familiar with Blavity, it was like right. highlighting black creatives in in all fronts yeah. and the work that they put out. It's um, not just not as cool as the name of Blavity. Yeah, boom, <laughs> boom.com or bo- it was like boomblog.com or something like that. So the name wasn't quite right, but boom shot Yeah, that was the concept. That joint failed. You know what I'm saying? Like didn't go anywhere. I got I had an opportunity to interview some really cool people though and make some cool connections. So again, it's like it's a failure, but there's some people that I'm connected to now because of that time period. So can't be mad at it. Still learning experience, man. Yeah, man. Do you have a uh, a philosophy, a mission statement that you uh, kind of live by or work under? I was going to say I don't have a, a philosophy, but I think over time I learned with putting work out, you have to stop striving for perfection. Because especially, excuse me, especially in the day that we live in now, like the age that we live in now, when you when you're creating something you always think like yo i want to tweak it and i want to you know i want to change this or i want to edit that and i can't put it out yet because x y and z isn't perfect and i interviewed um i interviewed natasha rothwell of of insecure the curly hair joint on that show and she's another one who like people think she's popping up out of nowhere but she has been 
working for 20 years, like almost 20 years in this industry and has written and produced and was like one of the few black women to write for Saturday Night Live. And she's been putting in work for mad long. Anyway, my point in, in all that is she brought up this point that said, be profound, not perfect. And I was like, yo, that kind of captures everything that I think I represent in, in terms of creating. It's like, you can make a statement, a very big statement without what you're putting out there being perfect. You can't, you can't like nitpick at everything because a lot of times you have to put it out there to see how people react to it in order to move forward. But at least if you're putting something out there that you're passionate about, that you think is different, that you think means something, it can be profound without being perfect. People will overlook a vocalist who, you know, sings off key every now and then if she sings with passion. Yes. That's basically what it is. Like, as long as you really mean what you're doing and you really have your heart in it, put it out there and fix it along the way. That's definitely true. I think if you come from, like I always heard, it's like if you come from the heart, you'll hit other people and they are. Yeah. Oh, that perfect. Man. Perfect. That's exactly what it is. I think a lot of times people like, you could drive yourself crazy trying to make things perfect. Yeah, man. And no matter what, someone's going to talk shit. No matter what. Always. Even if you think it's perfect. So it's like, what's the point? Put that joint out there anyway. Man, it's like, we're moving along and like, you're like answering the questions that I was going to even ask you later. <laughs> you said your passions are music and travel. Yeah. So what I'm going to do now, I had this little segment. I'm working on trying to make this better. It's, it's kind of falling flat the times I've been doing it. But I feel like <laughs> I just want to play a song and see if you can guess what song it is. Oh, boy. And then... Uh, you got a good music catalog. I don't know if this is a good game to play with you, man. Oh, uh, no, nah, man. I haven't been, like, stumping people or anything like that. I've been... I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm into music, but you you got an interesting catalog. <laughs> yeah, you right. Yeah, I can't argue with you there, but uh, what I just want to do is, like, to go to the next segment is to play a... Uh, is to play... A song and see if you can guess who it is. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> is this it? This is yeah, it. Because I can rap you every word if you need it. Okay? Man. I'm a little dressed. Ooh. We in the club, man. Yeah, they broke, dude. Yeah, I'm pretty, but I'm local. What a local. I think that's what else, bro. I think that's young M.A.s. Yes, you are correct. That honey or that Basil Hayden's in this case. Yeah, that Basil Hayden's. We on that right now. Oh, shout out to Jason Hartow for getting me hit. <laughs> Yo, shout out to Young and May because my bachelor party weekend, Young and May was like the common thread. Like me and my boy that was coming in, we the bachelor party was in Houston, and Mill was there. Me and my boy that's coming in from New York saw so Young and May in the airport. I'm like, Yo, that's Young and May. He's like, who? I'm like, ooh. And the T- the, the, the TSA people, they're like, ooh. <laughs> then my boy that's, that's coming in from LA, my boy Brian, he's like, yo, you'll never guess who I see on the way back. 
Young M.A. And she's like everywhere. So that was, shout out to Young M.A. She's like, yo, she held us down my whole, uh, my whole bachelor party, man. And she legit got flow. Like, she is extremely talented. But she needs to put out new music. Like, come on, son. Yeah, she's. Come on, son. It's been a minute. Let's go. You right, you right. (laughs) What music? are you listening to right now like what's currently in your rotation you know there's a lot of music that i have to listen to i have a full i have a long list of you have a, a to do yeah i have a to do like i i legit have in my note section in my phone like a to do list for soul society and a to do list of music that i need to listen to mm. and on that list and there's a lot of people that i've heard like one or two tracks but i really want to dive in so um ro james is one Sanfa, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yes. Anderson Pack. The last album that I think I really like let sit with me was Solange's A Seat at the Table. That's the last album that I really just was like, I let that joint hit. Yeah, listen to that. It's like eating a good meal. Yeah, it was just it's nutritious as fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like the tone. The tone is just right. Like she 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 did it on that one for sure. That's instant classic. Yeah, man. What's the last movie you saw in the movie theater? Hidden Figures. That joint is phenomenal. Like y'all gotta see that joint. It's amazing. And I had no I had no idea what I was getting into when I sat in the movie theater. I, I haven't been to the movies in mad long. I'm gonna start with that. Like mad long. But it was just like a snow day in New York and I was like, yo, I don't wanna sit in the house. I'm gonna go to the movies. Mm-hmm. Took my wife, we went to see that joint and left mad inspired. Like that's like black excellence on a million. Everyone see Hidden Figures. How cool is it to you say, I went to the movies with my wife? My wife. That is really cool. It's lit, yo. Yo, I tell everybody, like, everyone asks me, how's marriage? And I'm like, yo, it's lit. It's lit if you get the right person. Hmm. That's the biggest thing. Like, I don't don't tell anyone to rush into it. I don't tell anyone to have a time clock, even though people be telling me I'm kind of young to be married. Right. (laughs) And I've heard that from several people, which I don't think I'm, I'm 32. I'm not that young. But... Um, I say definitely wait until you have the right person because with the right person, that joint is, it, it makes your life much better. Like, my life is, I'm good, son. Good. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, man. That's really dope to hear you saying that. Like, can you share a memorable article, book, YouTube clip or something that you would like to share? One book that really stands out is Mark Echo's book. Uh, I forgot the name of it. But I think she only has one book. So a book by Mark Echo. Okay. It's something, I think the name of it has the word design or maybe there's an image of design on the cover. I'll, I'll let y'all know. But it it's about his journey from, again, I said I'm inspired by people who literally start from nothing, start from a dream, an idea, and work towards it to make it a thing that everyone thinks is a household name and everyone thinks is was an overnight success. But to hear his story of like how and why he started Echo and how how much failure he had in that brand, even though on surface level he was having success making bad business moves behind the scene, investing money in the wrong places or, <clears throat> you know, going over his head when he thought like, yo, I'm ready for this move and he wasn't and what that meant for his business to expanding into Complex Magazine and a bunch of other businesses that I didn't even know he had. Like this man legit, started with an idea and and turned it into like five successful money-making brands and all things that he's passionate about which i think is dope so i think that's really dope yeah i and think i, if, I found the title what's the name of it it's called unlabel 
selling you without selling out. Yeah. That's yep. It? Okay. Yep. It's a dope book, and he he really lets you into um what it means, especially if you're in into a creative field. What it means to start something, what it means to fail, even though people think you're winning. What it means to live up to facades, because that's another part of it. Is like because entertainment is about looking like you made it before you made it. People having expectations of you, even though you ain't got it like that yet. Yeah. It's it's a lot of it's it's really insightful, dope, and written well. What you just said, I see that a lot here. Oh, go yo, go ahead. I take back everything I said about not knowing who is my biggest inspiration. You know who's my biggest inspiration right now, and has been for like a few years. Issa Rae, yo, Issa Rae is the shit. Yes, yo, like yo. Talk about someone someone who had an idea and put something out there and didn't know if it was going to work and found a way to make it work and cultivated it into like, what? Yo, Issa Rae is the shit and she is who inspires me on a million levels. And her book, before the movie came out, her book came out. Or a TV show came out. Before a TV show came out. What movie? Oh yeah, sorry. Okay. I meant TV show. Okay. Before the TV show came out, her book came out. And her book is the funniest shit I've ever read in my life. Like I was on the train going to work in full on tears and people was looking at me like, yo, this guy's crazy. <laughs> it's the funniest <laughs> book I ever read. But it's also it in in the at the same time that it's humorous, it's also telling her story of how she started something, how how many times she failed, how many times people thought she was crazy. And just her being herself and how she made herself a brand. Dopest, dopest creative person, business person, like Issa Rae shit, yeah. Hey, do you have a embarrassing moment? I mean, in what, in what context? I have many embarrassing moments. I'm like that guy who's like- What's your most embarrassing I have. Thing? I'm like the guy who like, Yo, chances are, if you know me for a while, I've done or said or had some shit happen around you that you're like, yo, I'm never going to let you live that down. Oh, man. Yeah. Just in general or yeah. related to work? Yeah, just, I don't know. I'd say in general, man. I'll tell you. Know, you. because of what happened the other night, at, at the, <laughs> I'm like really feeling... I mean, I'm 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 over it. It's getting over. It's less raw, and I'm like, it's not that serious. Uh-huh. And, you know, charging to the game. But um, I had a really embarrassing experience at this Essence event, and, and uh, <laughs> I'll probably talk about it when I'm being interviewed for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Like later, I think I'm going to do it for my birthday. Okay. So I have someone else interviewing. Okay. But but go ahead with yours. Um, I would say the most embarrassing moment in life. So Man, that s- sounds deep. No, it's it's, it's it's in life. I'm like, oh shit. Okay. It's it's not. But go ahead. High school. So high school, junior year, I was in track and field, and I was a short distance runner, like 55 meters, 100 meters. My coach, for whatever reason, thought cross country. I'm like, guy, I'm not. I'm not. I don't have the stamina for that. Like, never have. Whatever. So he puts me. In cross country, mm-hmm. and I fail a lot. What you mean? Like you said, you failed. Or failed. You, you failed. Like oh on no, the ground. Wait, wait, no, 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 failed. But you get into my point before I get there. So, <laughs> so I failed many times at cross country. He put me back in short distance running. 
So we went from, in New York, it's outdoor and indoor season. I don't know if it's like that everywhere, but mm. it gets cold, so we move indoors. Um, so it's indoor season, and now it's just like the relays, like four by 200, four by 400. And I am, again, a short distance runner, so I'm doing the 55 or 100 meters. So I do my 55, I get like a bronze medal, do my 100 meters, I don't know what happens there. And the person who's supposed to do the four by 400, the relay, one of the guys is out. So he's like, oh, you got to do the four by 400. After I already did my two short distance races. Oh, man. So my legs are like, they're done. Like my legs are like, okay, you know, you tried it for the day. You put your all into them short distance runs. You got yourself a little medal. You good, go home. Nah, he's like, go in. So in New York, they're, we're in a stadium that's like, like raised seats, like, like a full on stadium. It's like an arena almost with the track in the middle. And I'm I'm the anchor in the four by four hundred. Of all positions, he makes me the anchor after I've already run my two races. So the first guy on my team runs a lot. He's in like third place. Second guy goes around. He's in like third place. Third guy goes around. He gets the second place. So I'm like, shit. Now it's on me. You know, he's in second place. Yeah, anchor. Either we go, either we gonna get that medal or we not. So yeah. I got my I got my arm behind me, and I'm like, mind you, I don't. I also don't do relays, so that's a whole other thing. So I got my arm behind me, and I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, it's a one time thing. Feeling for the team, cool. So I got I get the baton and I'm running, and I'm running and everything starts to like, I fully zone out. Like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if I'm doing well or I'm doing bad. And I, I hear people, but it's like, you know in the movies where they make it, like they muffle the outside noise and you really see the person like. Yeah, it's temporary deafness because of our yes, focus. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's what's happening. So I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. And then I realize I'm in first place. I'm in first place after I've already run my two races, after I already said, yo, I can't do this. And my coach is always mad, yo, you can do this. You don't believe in yourself, da, 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 da. you don't put in the work, whatever. I'm in first place. Mm-hmm. We're going around the bend and now I'm in my final stretch. This is like, I see the finish line right in front of me. And I'm running and I'm like, yo, I can't feel my legs. I'm like, yo, I cannot feel my legs. Man, that 400 is no pump. Yo. So I'm running. I'm like, yo, it's right there. I can do this. It's right there. I'm in first place. Even if I fall back into second place, that's so great for me. You know what I'm saying? So I'm running. I'm running. I'm running. I can't feel my legs. I roll off the track. (laughs) And now all of a sudden I can hear and the whole arena's like, oh! Oh, yo, no, you fell off the track. Yo, off the track. So I fall and then oh, I roll into the middle of the no. pit off the track. And I, all I hear is, oh, and I'm like, yo, this did not happen. This did not happen. I'm like, yo, this is the stupidest, dumbest. I'm pissed. I'm embarrassed. So, of course. And that's a good one. Yo. So, of course, now I got, you have to finish the race. Yeah. So, man. after laying there for a little bit and being in disbelief, I get up, dust myself off, jog through the rest to the finish line. Obviously, in last place at this point. Most embarrassing thing ever. And then, and then, I didn't even realize so many people I knew was in the stands because my parents couldn't make it for this meet. Mm-hmm. Yo, people from junior high school, people from elementary school, Reunion. they meet me at the locker. They're like, yo, what happened? <laughs> yo, 
Like, fam, you just fell? Yo, what? You, you wasn't, just, you wasn't, you wasn't, you wasn't in first place. I, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I was, and I fucked it up. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I fell, and here I am. And here I am. Hey, you still standing. You still strong. I'm so strong, y'all. Nah, wow. man, but listen. Failure's a part of life. It sure I can laugh cool. now. Back then, it was not funny. Right. That, shit, that is intense, man. And then they gave me the pity clap when I walked oh, through there. Yeah. They may have thought you was hurt. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, man. Pity clap is yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's definitely probably the most embarrassing thing that's happened. That's an embarrassing moment. Do you have a, a little known fact about yourself besides that embarrassing moment? And people um, would be surprised to know. Yo, you know what's... And I don't know why people are surprised. People who know me from, like, junior high school and high school are not surprised by this. But everyone that I've met later on in life is surprised that I can really dance. Like, I can fuck up a dance floor. Like, hey. yo, I go in on mm. a dance floor. And people are like, yo, you can really... I'm like, yo, this is what I do. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, I'm the man in these in these dance... In these dance streets. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Rondell's about to battle me right now. Yo, it's, I'm the man in these dentures. Like, it goes down. I'm nervous. <laughs> Rondell is ticking right now. <laughs> Not the tick, though. No. <laughs> I don't want no parts. You got it. Not, you have the metal. Not that kind of dance. <laughs> um, but yeah, man. What, what is uh, some advice that you would like to give others or some advice that you wish you had of been given before you started down your career path my biggest advice to anyone and this is any industry i always tell people um your network is the most important thing and people always said it's about who you know not what you know and i didn't realize how real that joint was until it came time to try to get a job like yo it was really way more important for me to know someone at a company Mm -hmm. to, to like break in at least at the very beginning and so, had, you, so you won't be just another face in the crowd. Yeah, because the thing is, like, a lot of people have the skills, a lot of people have the degrees, a lot of people have, at this point, the experience. What's going to make you stand out, and what's going to make someone pull your resume out of fifty million, unless you have built that kind of reputation already, which most of us are still trying to build. So it's like, yo, you really need to know people and build genuine relationships, not even like build relationships on the strength of, yo, you might be able to help me later on in life, but like be a social person because that joint takes you far in any any industry, but especially in like anything creative, anything in entertainment, music, media, social media, fashion, sports, like anything along those lines. So had I known that, I think in college, I would have been a lot more social because I, I was social to a certain degree, but I was really about like, yo, I'm a graduate, with X, Y, and Z GPA, yo, no one cared when I graduated. No one cared that I was like cum laude. No one, mm. not one person. I don't even think any job has ever asked my degree for that matter. Like to see it, it's really more about who you know. Did you go to Temple? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And I bust my ass, and it's kind of like, it's like, not that you shouldn't, yeah, but yeah, you right, should, right, right. you should definitely be as social and building relationships as much as you are about like learning and doing hard work. And that's even as you're making it. Like right now, I would say I'm probably like mid-level career with um, like marketing, 
But even to this day, like if I want to make another move, it's really about do people like me? It really is. Yeah, because I always feel like if you're going to be working with someone for hours on end and days on end, you spend a lot of time on jobs more than at home. So yeah. you definitely want to be around people that you enjoy being around because it just makes things so much more difficult. Where it's just like. Yeah. And I get it. Like at this point in life, I get it. I've worked with people that I couldn't stand. And it's like, yo. I'd rather teach someone how to do a job if I have to or help them be better if I like them than deal with someone who's really good but is an asshole or deal with someone who's really good but like we have nothing to talk about all day. You know what I'm saying? Because like, yo, spending 8, 10, 12 hours with someone in a day is a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's a long time. Yeah, yeah. So I would say, you know, that's my biggest piece of advice to anyone who's like trying to figure it out. Build genuine relationships. Find people who you have things in common with and like build with them. All right, then uh, I have another question is what societal norm do you think is stupid or weird and wish wasn't the norm? Can Yo, you know what's dumb to me, man? <laughs> Strip clubs. Strip clubs are so dumb. And I've been only to a handful and it's just dumb, man. Like you go in there, granted, for a purpose of like a bachelor party, which is my most recent experience. Yeah. It makes sense for that to a certain degree, but the whole like psychology behind strippers expecting that they walk up to you and dance with a bathing suit on, you should be throwing money at them. I'm like, for what? You ain't even do nothing. Yo, you're dropping money for a girl dancing on you half naked, which I'm from the Caribbean, so if you are at Carnival, you do that for free. Yeah. And it's like, yo, you're you're not getting from the guy. I don't know. I don't know if other guys have a different level of pleasure from it. But I'm just like, okay, this is cool, but not worth like my hard earned money. I don't get it. Yeah. And just, then and then it's also just the psychology of like, yo, this is this is like the quick life. It's basically like the scammer and the you know what I'm saying, like this is the quick way to make money and I don't know it's just it's just a weird it's a weird energy in strip clubs man it's weird and the girls aren't turned on but they're putting on this voice for you or putting on this dance for you and it's like yo you do this 40 times a day you <laughs> like save it for the guy the the banker who mm-hmm. works all day don't have no woman to go to and just wants to drop bread for a little if I get that for free you ain't getting it, son. You ain't getting it. So I can't, I'm never going to be like the regular strip club guy who goes every payday or something like that. And I'm never going to drop mad bread on you. Like, no. I've seen guys drop like hundreds, like just blow in. I'm like, yo, shorty's not even doing that much, B. Yeah. But what if the exotic dancer or the strip or whatever is like twirling 240 bottles with a nipple? <laughs> And she's crushing uh, a Coke can with her booty. Okay. And she's doing all of this while she's spinning around the pole. Right. Now, I will give credit where credit is due. That's art. You know what I'm saying? If, you, if you're going to show me some artistic shit, <laughs> I'm going to give you a little cash. You know what I'm saying? Most of these girls, they ain't doing tricks. They going up. They going around the pole, walking around it. I can walk around the motherfucking pole. Ain't nobody paying me. I ain't giving you the money, man. Nah, man. Nah, nah. I ain't into that, man. If you really, but if you really if you, think about it, yeah, yeah, yeah. They walk around the, the pole in their heels, 
they walk to you in your chair or whatever if you're standing up they do like a two-step and a twerk and expect you to give them money nah nah i ain't into that rondell says not going down nah son but if if you're talented and you're doing like you're performing art in front of me then okay <laughs> you know what i'm saying like get up there and do some real like yo your jaw your jaw is dropping because you didn't even know somebody could do that yes then it's worth it okay maybe maybe the point is strippers is lazy maybe that's more what i should say the lazy strippers. the lazy strippers don't get no cash from me keep walking <laughs> not going down son. nah how about that <laughs> all right so to wrap up my um Interviews. I like to do this pivot questionnaire, but before we get into that, I guess the last thing I do just give me a little synopsis about things that we should be looking forward to. Uh, any ventures that you want us to look be on the lookout for? There's a lot. So, um, let's see. Soul Society One Hundred One. Of course. Dot com. The website on Instagram is at Soul Society. S O U L Society. Um, the podcast is out. Uh, me and the mill starting in the game, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 2017. We in here. Yeah. We in here with this podcast game. Uh, Mile High Club Events. That's a day party series that we do in multiple markets. Be on the lookout for that. Definitely trying to expand on that. Um, um, let me give a little glimpse of when you brought up, I mean, all these things you're doing is dope, but let me tell you about the Mile High Club, the last joint that I was at. <laughs> I mean, I had a shoot earlier in the day. And uh, I don't really know if I should be saying this, but I did a shoot, and one of the people that I did the shoot with, she was like, hey, would you like to take a hit of this weed? And I was like, sure, (laughs) why not? (laughs) So, and then I get to the spot, and Rondell has the table and everything, so I'm drinking, so I'm like, drunk and high at the same time, sipping champagne on the airplane (laughs) at the Mile High Club event. And it was so lit in turn. I mean, every almost every song that was played, the whole crowd was saying all the lyrics. It was so many people sweating out their suits. It was like <laughs> what was it was like December, I think, or January or something. Yeah, January. And it was like it was like people were just so it was and I was not in the mental capacity to really <laughs> appreciate it and get involved because of taking these substances, but I just remember standing on the on the couch, and Rondell was standing up. He was looking over the 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 creation of everybody dancing like uh, a King Mufasa looking over the kingdom, <laughs> and he was just standing there. I'm like, yo, and I'm just like taking it all in, and it's like, wow, this is like incredible. The energy in here is good. All these black folks is in here having a good time. Yeah, man. Singing and dancing. No one's like, it's just the good vibes and it's just like people just letting loose and really, really having a good time and celebrating life, man. I appreciate it. And that, that was the whole point. Like, there's a lot of day parties out there, but a lot of them are like, you stand around and you look at people and you're posing and all that stuff. And I'm like, yo, I I grew up in a time when people used to party, party. Mm. So I was like, yo, maybe if I start with a few of my friends and my partner, Fab, a few of her friends, and we start this joint, because Soul Society was growing, I was like, yo, I want these people to meet in person in real life, because they're dope. I can tell they're dope from all the stuff that they're doing. So they meet in person, we turn up, and we, we, let, it, we let it all out there, and it's a good time, man. 
So I'm glad you appreciate it. Yeah, man. Shout out to Fab too. Yeah, it's, it's a Mount High Club thing. Even yeah. though she don't, she don't like me, but it's cool. Fab likes you, man. <laughs> she be giving me the 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 side eye emoji in real life, <laughs> but it's all good. Nah, I know I ain't. It's all love. Cup of tea. It's yeah. all love. It's all love. But I really appreciate you know what, what y'all do with that event. It was real, really good time. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So now we're gonna wrap this interview up with the pivot questionnaire. And this is a way for, kind of like the rapid fire, but it's a little more deep, I guess. So, what is your favorite word? Mm. Unique. <laughs> hey, wifey. <laughs> Gotta keep it good in the thing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. No, nah, my favorite word is love. Mm. Yeah. What's your least favorite word? No. What turned you on creatively? Spiritually or emotionally? Um, I say God, music, travel, and black people. What turned you off? Racism. Orange man. (laughs) (laughs) That turns me all the way off. Other than Cheeto. What is your favorite curse word? Fuck. You know, it's really motherfuck. And motherfucker, motherfucking. So all all derivatives of of it. I should stop, though, because that word is... That that curse is has a lot of like history that ain't good. Mm. So I need I need to stop that. But I, I'll I'll stick with fuck. I really love fuck. Okay, feels good. <laughs> it's a good strong. Yeah. What sound or noise do you love? Waves crashing. Love waves crashing. I love being by water in general. What's your song? Um, Leo. I'm a fire sign. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's just a Caribbean thing though. Mm. I think that's in the blood. I love waking up to it, going to sleep to it, just relaxing to it, all that. What sound or noise do you hate? Bad music. Like, like disorganized sound is hurts my ears. Or people singing off key hurts my ears. Like things that are not in harmony. Yeah, yeah, I hate that. Okay. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? It would have to be something in like human welfare or education or something like that. Because I'm really big on helping people find their path and encouraging people to figure it out and and go against their obstacles and, and make a good life for themselves, regardless of what they start with. So I feel like something in like human services or education or something like that, whether it be a counselor or a teacher, principal, something along those lines, where you really impact people one-on-one. I think in my career right now, I impact people on a like macro scale like I put things out that impact people or I work on events or projects that impact people, but more on, it would be more on a one-on-one. Like direct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And explicit. Yeah. Which recently, um, I went to this, like, there's a program in Brooklyn that helps young black boys whose fathers are incarcerated. And I think I'm going to start mentoring there to fulfill that part of of what I think I would be doing full time otherwise. Um, Cause the, I think the, the stat is, if you have a parent that's incarcerated, chances are like you are 70% likely to also be incarcerated at some, some point in your life. Mm-hmm. And those stats are greatly reduced if you have a positive image to kind of fill that space. But unfortunately a lot of young black boys don't have that, who have a parent incarcerated, don't have like a positive male black figure. And there's a lot of females and a lot of 
men of other races, but it's not going to be the same as a black man that you can see yourself in. So yeah, I think I'm going to start doing that uh, when I get back to New York. Oh man, that's really dope. Man. Yeah. Um, what profession would you definitely not want to do? Um, yo, fuck people who give out tickets. I hate all of y'all and I would never <laughs> do it to you. You know what I'm saying? I just couldn't do it. Yeah. You ruin somebody's day, man. You come back, you got that little paper in your car. Fuck y'all. <laughs> hate y'all. Yeah, man, I feel you. Last questions. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? What's good? <laughs> yo, if God hits me with the what's good, I'm like, yo, God! It's lit! It's lit! That's me right there? Like, that? you got me? That's me? You got me? <laughs> All right, God. <laughs> All right, man, Rondell, man, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks yeah, man. for uh, doing the podcast and coming out here and laying down these vocals. Thanks um, for having me, man. Man, it's, it's been a blessing, brother. I'm very grateful that you was able to chop it up with me. Appreciate it. Super Califragilisticexpialidocious. Dope shit. That's it. And it's I'm lit. I'm Proud of you, man. Hey, man. Appreciate out that. Out here. Appreciate that. In these podcast streets. I'm out here, man. <laughs> looking both ways before I cross this street. Hey. I'm aware out hey. here, man. So, alright. I'm gonna leave it off like this with my favorite quote, only put off until tomorrow, what you're willing to die having left undone. That's Pablo Picasso. Damn. And we out here, and we in here. I mean, and we in here, (laughs) and we out here. Peace. Peace. Takes some getting used to. Chain snatching ain't have it. Gotta get it.